Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Um, <clears throat> hey. Good morning. He knew he was going to do it to me. He warned me. Um, I hadn't seen that yet, so I'm a little thrown off. Sorry. Hey. Hey. I'm back. Good morning. How are we this morning? Man, it's great to see all you guys. Uh, hey, let me pray, and uh, we will get right into it. We have kind of a crazy day, but um, it's going to be just so incredible, and I'm so thankful that you guys are here to share that this morning. So let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you're good and that you are God, and you're in control of all things. Lord, we thank you for this place. We thank you for these people. We thank you for what you're doing today. This is a, a day of celebration. It's a day of growth. It's a day that we are um, going to confirm things that you've called uh, people into. Um, specifically as we confirm three men who love you uh, into the gospel ministry today. And as we celebrate with um, potluck and community and uh, eating food, which is one of my other favorite things, that we get to do that together. Uh, Lord, and I thank you for this place, for this building. You have been so faithful, um, so good. And uh, it is an honor uh, to serve you, to love you, and to point people toward you as we do that together this morning. So, uh, Lord, I pray that you would inhabit our praise, you'd inhabit our prayer, and that this would be a morning that would um, be not easily forgotten, not quickly thrown aside, but instead that we would revel in uh, for the sake of your glory, your good, and your kingdom. I thank you for all you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, I'm Sean. So nice to meet you or see you or whatever uh, we're doing right now, gazing upon me. I don't know. It made that weird. Um, but uh, I'm a little up and down. I had a huge cup of coffee because I'm a little tired. Those of you guys who have come the last few weeks may have known my wife gave birth to a beautiful baby boy two weeks ago. <clears throat> yeah, I think we have his picture. I throw it up there. There he is. Um, so that's not him. No, just kidding, it is. Um, <laughs> took me a second, sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, two weeks ago, so she's at home resting. I got like four hours of sleep, but I'm here because we're excited. It's a good day. Uh, <laughs> that's where my head's at right now. Um, man, I, I got to tell you guys, I, I love y'all. I, I love this church. Um, I, love, I love so much of what this has come to be. Uh, when we were planning a church, and um, I thought that I was crazy, and other people said, no, Sean, you definitely should, and I thought I was definitely crazy. Um, we had so many people come and tell us, like, hey, this is how it's going to go. It's going to be this step, and then this step, and then you're going to do this, and then this thing's going to happen. And what I found out is that's all garbage. Uh, no one was right, uh, because it, it never looks the same. Like everything is always a little different. That's why we jump around to so many different churches and we have the opportunity because we're looking for what is our current flavor. But what I've found is when you plan a church, um, it's easy to forget the things that build that church. It's easy to forget the things that you now have and that you now see that you never actually thought you would. And uh, that video, man, really brought a lot back. But it, it's crazy to consider um, what God has done uh, in this church and in this group of people. And in people who have come and are no longer here, or people who have come and moved away, or people who maybe it's your first week, and so this is going to be a really weird week for you, and come back next week. 
But the reality is, I found our heartbeat exists. It's beautifully encapsulated by this quote by a guy named G.K. Chesterton. He's pretty incredible. If you don't know him, check him out. Uh, amazing theologian and, and preacher. He says, we do, not want, <clears throat> excuse me, we do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. And I know that that's, it's kind of commonplace right now to have really cute quotes where you can invert words and sound you know, very philosophical and beautiful. But I think that's not what he's trying to do. But I think that so encapsulates what it is we want to do. Right? Like we we want to um, be content and we want to be purpose-driven and we want to do the thing we do really well. But when it comes down to it, um, we don't want to shift and change based on current flavors of the day. We want to be a church that thrives and moves and actually changes the culture of the city that it's in. There's a lot of churches that throw down and they're totally content and they're totally fine with existing as they are. And there's a place for that. But that's not our place. Our place as a church is that we want to move the culture of this city. We want to move the culture of Greenville County. We want to be a beacon of hope and a place that actually changes people so that when you come here, you experience something that actually shifts who you are. That's the goal of what this church is. And it's crazy for me to think where we are and where we've come from and what might be possible if we can come together and do this thing well. As you guys saw in the video, um, Dusty kind of stole it from me. I didn't know this was coming in the video, but I'm glad it's there because it looked a lot better. We started a few hundred feet down that way in a little CrossFit gym. And I'll never forget the first uh, the week before we launched. It was our soft launch. Those of you who actually, who was actually there? Who was there that week? Like all of our college students were like, I was there. Thanks. We love you guys. Y'all are why we're here. So, um, yeah, maybe you guys remember then. It was 53 degrees inside. Do you remember that? It was cold, and I thought, we have 20 college students, eight adults, and it's 53 degrees in a CrossFit gym. What are we doing? It's like, I should call First Pres and see if they've filled my role yet. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you where the first few weeks of that went. We had our launch Sunday. It was awesome, packed full. Everybody I knew was there. The next week, it iced. Iced. You know who came to church? Nobody, because we live in South Carolina. And when the news says there might be snow next week, we buy all the bread and milk, and then we go back and buy all the bread and milk. So we had ice. So I was like, great, all right, no church. The next week, it was cold, and it was rainy, and we had church, but there was a threat of ice. And then the next week, there was ice again, and I thought, what are we doing? Five weeks, we've had church twice, and it's been icy cold every single time. But let me tell you about the resilience of the people who are there and who are still here is that that doesn't stop mission. That doesn't stop purpose. But what does stop it is the fire marshal. So the fire marshal gave us a call and said, hey, love what you're doing. Fantastic. Uh, You can't meet there anymore. I said, why? He said, there's no sprinklers and everyone will die if there's a fire. And I thought, well, okay. The Holy Spirit comes down that hard. I guess I don't want everyone going right to heaven. Um, So we had to move. We ended up at Northwest Middle, which I love to make fun of because middle school is a great time that we all remember for its incredible moments and 
um, non lack of drama and ease and um, yeah no um, we moved to Northwest Middle School which if you've never been is hidden away about five miles up not in TR at all in fact it was planted it was uh, built in between Marietta and TR so all the TR people thought we were a Marietta church which they hated and all the Marietta people thought we were yuppies from TR which they hated um, and uh, when you walked in it had this distinct coldness of no one wanting to be there it was great uh, I think it's built into middle schools. It's kind of how they exist. And uh, when you went to the bathroom, you could high-five each other with your shoulders by very little movement from left to right, which was my favorite part. It's great. We had no control over heat and cold, which, by the way, are we comfortable today, everyone? Yeah? Thank you. Josh did it. I didn't do it. I didn't fix it at all. I'm the reason it was cold for six weeks. Um, so we were at a middle school praying to God that we would get out every week. And we had guys like Mikey Smith, who's going to be ordained, who drove up from Charleston every single weekend over college break. And we had guys like Aiden Toomey, who literally never left anything that we did all the time and always came an hour early and always stayed an hour late. And we had guys like Josh Bradford, who literally ran the kids' ministry at a middle school in two rooms with 25 kids, almost by himself, uh, for five months in the summer. And it's amazing what God has been faithful through. And then we got to come here. And I, I mean, I'll never forget, some of you guys, Jesse Hack was there, Mikey was there, Aiden was there, we're doing our setup on a Friday, and I got a call from Eric Vincent, the city manager, and he said, hey, I got a question for you. Um, this development isn't going to buy the old city hall building. Any chance you'd want to move in? And I said, yes, 100%. Absolutely. So we got really excited. We talked about it. We prayed. And I said, how much will it cost? And he said, well, fair rent is $8,800. And I said, that's great. We'll maybe in six years be able to do that. And so we prayed. And we begged God. And we said, God, we know that you want more for this city. And Eric called me a week later and said, how about if we do a quarter of that? And I thought, we can do that. And God has been faithful. That's the, that's the key of what we're talking about this morning, of what we're going to see, what you're going to participate in as we ordain three men, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that God is faithful. And I don't know where you are or what's happening in your life or your heart, or if you're just bouncing, kind of looking for a place to belong, or if you are here because you love somebody who's getting ordained and you think, I have no purpose here. I want you to know above all else that God is faithful in all things at all, at all times. Even in moments where it feels like he isn't, he is faithful. In moments where you've lost control, where you have nothing left, he is faithful. He has not forgotten you. He has not let go of his hold on you. Even when you feel the most alone is when he is most beside you, holding you up. When you don't know how you're getting through your day, it is because the Lord has not left your side. And is sustaining you. And so on this past April 1st, on Easter Sunday, we launched Trailside Church in this building. After 12 days of very full days of painting and breaking down walls and tearing glass out and cleaning and doing all kinds of fun things like building sound booths and putting curtains up and God knows what else. I, really, it's a blur. It's kind of like having a baby. People are here. You never know when they're there. Sometimes there's food. Uh, it just kind of exists. So the first was right. That's what it felt like. But since then, in this year, this eight months that we've been here, this last year, we've had 14 people be baptized into the faith. 
Yeah. Here's a cool thing. We have four more on the way. We've, yeah, we can. That's worth celebrating for sure. Um, we've been able to offer this city over $10,000 in free babysitting through Parents Night Out, which, yeah, it's incredible, which, again, is happening this Friday. So if you want to get in on that, sign up, because it's filling up pretty quick. Um, we, one of my favorite things, have launched a viable and growing student ministry. Love that. Let me tell you about... Well, yeah, I'll just say it now. I'm gonna, I was going to say nice things about you later, but I'll just say it now. <laughs> Let me tell you about our student pastor and why he's becoming a pastor today. Because last summer, when he could have moved home, and his parents are here, so Josh runs security. His mom's right there. I don't want get to get punched. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Hi. Last summer, when he could have been a college student and gone home, Mikey stayed and lived in my bedroom attic, Frog, and worked a second job at Sidewall Pizza. And I thought, oh good, Mikey's saving money. That money Mikey made went directly into taking care of the students of this church. Buying snacks and goods and Bibles and notebooks. I thought it was crazy too, just gonna be honest with you. I didn't know it to the end of summer because he knows that if he would have told me earlier, I would have punched him. But, but that's the kind of things that are happening here because of the people who are faithful and love Jesus well. And so today we're going to ordain him and two others. And so if you want to turn with me to 1 Peter 2, that's where we're going to be here this morning. I started thinking as a two-year-old church, you know, I'm, I'm pretty simple most times in my brain. I like to think I'm really smart, but I'm, you know, whatever. I got through North Greenville and Charleston Southern. No, not Harvard over here, but um, that was a joke. Nobody laughed. Maybe it wasn't funny. Um, but I started thinking, you know, as a two-year-old church, uh, what should we be able to do, right? Because throughout the entire New Testament especially, we see uh, statements like young and uh, matured believers, you know, drinking milk and eating food and what it means to be a mature believer in growth. And I had this idea that we were going to plant a church and millions would come and the staff would work and we'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars in budget. And then I woke up. and um, But I realized that we're just now getting to the place where we're ready to take the two-year steps. So I went in and I said, you know, what does a two-year-old do? I've had two of them. Uh, I got an eight and a five-year-old. My eight-year-old, he, he just runs all the time. I don't know how to keep up with him. But um, it, I was able to kind of watch my five-year-old progress and spend a little more focused time uh, listening and paying attention to her steps. And uh, I thought, man, two years old is a pretty big moment. Like, I, there's some big shifts there in development. Uh, and here's what I learned. Did some research because we have a thing called Google that works. Uh, when you're two years old, your child should be able to kick a ball, which is kind of fun, right? You can play a little bit. Um, they should be able to walk up and down stairs, which if you're a first-time parent, you probably watch them up and down the steps every single time, right? We have some over there, yeah. And they also can do really awesome stuff that provides straight chaos and destruction to make you go, what the heck was that? Um, like they can scribble at will. Which is fun, unless you have these things called walls in your home. They can scribble at will. Uh, or, here's a fun one, they can dump an entire container over and spread its contents all over the floor. Which is great, except for when you're going to pick them up, because they're screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's a Lego there and there. And then inexplicably three in bed with them. Yep. 
And the other thing they can do, which really stuck out to me, is they can run. Two-year-olds should be able to begin to run. Now, I thought, man, that is exactly what it feels like to be a church. We, we are just now at two years getting to a place where we can begin to run, to fulfill what God has called us to. We thought, we, you know, when you're a little younger, you're like, I can conquer those steps. And you go up four steps and you fall down and you cry and mommy comes and picks you up. That's a lot how it's felt the last two years. But two-year-olds get ready to run. And I think we're finally at a place where we are ready to run, not walk. Not stumble through, not fall down the steps, but we're able to run to the place where God wants us to be. And my hope is that you will actually take part in that with us. One of those things we're doing that I want to turn your attention to is um, our marriage retreat that's happening at the end of February. Come. Please come. It's one night. It's $200. It covers you and your spouse. It covers almost all your food except for one date night because we want you to go on a date. But I was studying for that, and I was reading Ephesians 5.25, right? Everyone loves to quote that because the first half of it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Then we pound our chest. We're like, see, honey, it's in Scripture, right? There's another half of that if you're wondering. Well, I know it. It's fine. Um, But the, the second half of that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church willing to give himself up for her, even to the point of death. And I was reading that, and I thought, man, that is quite a statement. That's, that's, that is an intense statement. Husbands who are in the room, hold your wife's hand, think about it in your head. If you're, you, know, you don't want to like show that you love her in front of people, because that's got to be tough. And think about that statement. Jesus loves this church in the same way that you right now are thinking you would do anything for your wife and protect her, even if it meant your death. Let that sit on you for a second, husbands. This is the call of the gospel. This is what it means to love, that you will love her and care for her, even if it costs you her life for her to be taken care of. Husbands, do we agree to that? I hope you do, because you made a vow. And a quick side note to college students, those who are dating, ladies, if he is not someone that you trust enough to do that thing for you the rest of your life, turn and run and cry on the way out. Gentlemen, if you are not ready to give the fullness of who you are to a girl to say that I will give everything, even my life for your sake, and you mean it not because you just watched The Notebook, But you mean it because at the core of who you are, it is the heartbeat that you have and the care that you have for that woman. Then you are ready to be married. And if you're not ready, stop wasting her time. And girls, if he's not ready, stop allowing your time to get wasted. But that was an aside I didn't plan for, so... But, but that's the truth, though. That, that's, what, that's what the gospel says that Jesus loves his church like, being willing to give himself all the way to the point of death for her sake. That, that is a love. 
But he loves his bride. His bride biblically is you and I. If you fall under the scope of following and knowing Jesus that he said and he did give himself up to the point of death for your good and for your sake. And we see this great example of why. Because I like to ask questions and, you know, I know me. Maybe you know you. The depth of who you are. The things you don't want to tell your friends or your neighbors or the people around you because they might think you're weird or gross or whatever it might be. I thought, how could a good God love his people like that? And then in 1 Peter 2, we read two verses that are an absolute love story to you from him. Starting in verse 9. This is what Peter says. He says, but you, church, those who are set apart, those who are loved by God, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Church, this This is who God says you are. This is who we are. This is what we fight to be. This is what we tell people. This is why we exist. So people in this city will know that this is how God sees them. He gives four very distinct moments, four very clear pictures of who God says you are. And and it's interesting. I want to point this out. It's interesting because God says this is who you are apart from anything that you bring to the table. Can we just get away from that for a minute? Let's get away from the idea that we have to bring this best version of us and go, here, God, please love me. That's not what he says. He says, this is what God sees you as. This is why you are special. This is why he would hang on a cross in your place for you. Because he says these four things about you, that one, you are a chosen people. My family has this hilarious joke that totally doesn't hurt my feelings every single time I hear it. They, I say something weird, they look at my wife, and they go, that's the one you chose. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Welcome to my family. It's awesome. I'm just kidding. It doesn't hurt my feelings so much. But yeah, typically my mom will go, where do you come up with this stuff? And my dad will go, well, Lane, you chose that one. Had all the options. I'm like, I get it, guys. Outkicked my coverage. Everyone's aware. It's awesome. <laughs> But no, that's what he says. You are a chosen people. It makes just as much sense as when you look at your spouse and you're like, how in the world did I get you to marry me? It's even greater than that. God says he chose you because of his grace and his mercy that he said, you belong to my family. You are mine. I hold you in my hand like a diadem, like jewel. That's who he says you are. This is what Romans 8 says. It's like the best chapter in the whole Bible, if you're asking me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, and who is now indeed interceding for us. You are a chosen race. 
That now you have Jesus Christ who lived perfectly, died on a cross, and now is interceding for your sake, is praying for you, is going to the throne of God and standing in your place. That's, that's what Jesus does. I'm, I'm going to just maybe mess up some Sunday school here, okay? Is that all right? I do that a lot, I think. Jesus is not in your heart. You do not pray to receive Jesus in your heart. Read the Bible. He is not in your heart. He is on the throne. He is in heaven preparing a place for you. And here's the best part about him not being in your heart. The Holy Spirit's in your heart. Let's, we'll talk about that another time. Here's the best part. Where he currently is, is consistently, continually interceding and stepping in your place before the eyes of God so that God sees him, not you. So you don't have to bring your best. Jesus already did. That's the gospel. That's the hope of what we want to bring to this city. That's what we celebrate for two years. He says, to that you're a royal priesthood. This is where we're going to step on toes. Y'all ready? Am I the only one pumped up? I'm excited. I've got two minutes left, and I'm still five minutes over, so we're good. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. He says you're a royal priesthood. If you follow Christ, you are called and you, you are called a priest, a saint, someone who proclaims the goodness of God. And a priest is given access to God. Here's the beautiful thing. In the Old Testament, they had a room called the Holy of Holies inside the temple. Okay? There was an outer court and inner court. So outer court is for Gentiles, inner court is for the Jews. Then they had the holy place, which is for the priests. And they had the holy of holies, the most inner part where the um, presence of God dwelt behind a big robe or a big uh, curtain. Right? And only the high priest once a year was able to go into the inner court in the holy of holies and offer sacrifice. And if he wasn't ceremoniously clean and perfect and fully repentant, do you know what happened to him when he walked into the presence of God? Anybody? <laughs> Dead on the ground. Here's the craziness. You don't believe me? This is what they would do. They would literally tie a rope around his ankle so that they could pull him out. Right? I don't know about y'all, but if I have to walk into a place where it's like, guys, I'm going to go in there, I might die. Tie a rope around my ankle. I, like, I'm out. Y'all go somewhere else. Like, there's, there's pastors over there. They can do it. But this is what being a priest means. It means that when Jesus came and died and was resurrected, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, and now you as a follower of who Jesus is have access to the Holy of Holies, to the presence of God. That is who God says that you are. No rope around the ankle needed. But that you are called with access to do good and to proclaim his goodness, his work, so that others may know him. Number three is this. You're a holy nation set apart. A, a body of believers that come together to proclaim Jesus. You know the coolest thing that I've seen so far in this long year of 26 days? We had students who were part of this. 65,000 college students in Atlanta worshiping God. 65,000 for a conference called Passion. It was so cool. I watched a ton of videos and a ton of girls screaming about how great everything was. 
But you know what I saw more often than not? People saying, man, if this is what a glimpse of what heaven is like, I can't wait. I said, man, I want to be a part of that. That's what we have the opportunity to be as believers, as followers of Jesus. Listen, if you don't know Jesus or if you're not walking with the Lord, I want to encourage you. You know that feeling you get when you're around people and you're like, God, I hope they don't hate me or I hope they're being honest or I hope they're not talking trash about me or whatever the inconsistencies and insecurities come. That does not exist in the body of Christ because we're not about ourselves. We're about the one who is great and created all things, Jesus. There's peace and comfort there. There's sustainability and hope there. And that's why you are a part of one holy nation. That's what Jesus says. And the last is this, that you are people belonging to God. God gives purpose to his people. He's called you out of darkness into light. He has given you who did not have mercy, mercy, grace. Now, I I went to youth group in 2000 for the first time. And every time I read that verse, I think of one particular song that was famous in American youth groups. Anybody know? Into marvelous light, I'm Yeah. I was going to ask Riley to sing that because that's weird. Like, hey, I'd love to relive my teenage years. Can you do that for me? But it's true. Like, the idea, that's so true. That's what happens. God pulls you out of darkness and places you into light. You know what happens in light? The darkness cannot overcome it. You put light into a room. You don't take light out of a room. That's what Jesus says he does. He puts that into you. You belong to God. He gives you purpose. We had our biggest serve team meeting ever today. It was awesome. We had like 35 people who all were here. And man, it's the best Sunday ever. And it was really cool with seeing people get excited about holding doors open and standing outside with earpieces, making sure that nobody tried to punch anyone, which they did, but my son is tucked away now. It's fine. <laughs> Just kidding. But because they do things that matter past today. And church, if, if our actions and how we love Jesus are safe and palatable, for all people, if it doesn't mess with people a little bit, I don't, maybe, maybe it's not good enough. Maybe we need to reconsider how well we love Jesus. One of my most favorite movies ever is a movie called Gladiator. If you haven't seen it, go now. Sleep. Um, just kidding. But as Maximus Decimus Aurelius is getting them ready for battle, he looks at his men who are on the front lines, and he's giving this speech because all good war movies have speeches. And he goes, men, what you do today will echo for all of eternity. I was like, you know what that is? It's following Jesus. You know what that is? That's serving Jesus. You know what that is? That's coming and loving to watch a movie and have popcorn with a bunch of kids so parents can come and have a date night that they can't afford. You know what that is? That's waking up early on a Saturday morning and going and painting and picking up trash after people who don't care. You know what that is? That's going to places where people who don't know Jesus are and loving them just because they're people and God says they're important. You know what that is? That's coming here and giving to this thing we call church and not being, I'm not going to be apologetic about that anymore. Because knowing that people find hope here and that lives are changed here and that what we do here matters, that's coming in and saying that God is more important than what it is that we want or need or think we need at the time. 
You want to do things that matter into eternity? Change what you're doing that doesn't. Stop getting mad at churches because someone dared to hold you accountable, the very thing that Christians have tried to be doing for 30 years and everybody's too scared of it. Stop being mad at pastors and leaders and friends who have the gall to look you in the eye and say, you're not as great as you think, but you can be more like Jesus. Stop being scared to go to people and see them as people who need hope with the knowledge that you have the best opportunity for hope that they will ever experience. We don't have time for that anymore. This church doesn't have time for that because what we do today will echo into eternity. And I'll be danged if I'm going to let a movie have more value to that than the gospel of Jesus. Which is what we're going to do the rest of our time here today. We're also starting 21 days of prayer tomorrow morning on the app. So download our app. And it'll give you the opportunity to push notifications on to 21 days of prayer. And it's going to be two minutes a day. I'm going to, can I just challenge you as your pastor? I, I wish I had the guts to challenge you for more than this. Give two minutes of your day to Jesus starting tomorrow for 21 days and see what changes. You're going to get a text every day at 6.30 a.m. 21 days of prayer to see your life change. And we're also ordaining three godly, incredible men into the ministry this morning. And that's how we'll wrap up our time. So church, I'm going to ask you, with a thought of pushing forward and making this a place that will bring hope to people, to please welcome Josh Bradford, Marcus Jones, and Mikey Smith to the stage. Those of you guys who were here uh, last two weeks, when I wasn't, you had the opportunity to hear two of these guys preach. You can keep playing, Aiden. That's fine. <clears throat> and so I'm going to ask them a simple question, a few questions. And here's what's going to happen. They are covenanting not just with God, but also with you. These men stand before you today to be ordained into the ministry and to make promises to you the church and the body of Trailside Church of exactly who they're going to be, of what they're called to be and what's important. And here's what I want from you, church. At the end, I'm going to ask you to also confirm them. I want you guys to hold these men accountable. I want you to, to watch what they do. See how they treat their family, the people around them, and you. Ask them to pray for you to meet with you. Believe in them. We're not confirming a call that they just decided would be fun. In fact, Josh Bradford has given me cakes that say I quit on them multiple times. <laughs> Which, funny story, one of those was when Pastor Tyler was coming to interview. <laughs> and he showed up and Josh, one of our elders, gave a cake that said I quit on it. And that was very confusing for Tyler and Afton. Um, but as they make these promises to you today, hold them accountable to them. And guys, follow them. 
let them lead you. Allow them to walk ahead of you and blaze a path and to do the dirty work for you and with you. When you have trouble to not be alone, that these men will stand with you. That they are called here and they're called to Jesus and they're called to you. That they will not let you hang all alone. And so, here they are promising themselves to serve you to serve the Lord. The people they've been called to love, to sacrifice for, and to give their whole hearts in service to. And so, gentlemen, after each statement, I'll just ask you to say, I do. Having repented of sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ and having been baptized and made a member of this church, having faithfully served in multiple capacities, having prayed and studied and read and grown in the grace and knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, having aspired to this office of pastor, having been approved and affirmed to that office after careful examination by the elders and the staff of this church, do you now promise to lead a life worthy of emulation, to joyfully watch over the souls of this flock as one who will give an account to God for each and every one of them, to pray believingly for the sick, to always preach with the day of God's judgment for teachers in mind, to shepherd God's flock that this that has been allotted to you willingly, eagerly, and seeking to model first what you ask of them in servant leadership, to serve the Lord with both joy and tears, to resist temptation to shrink back from declaring the whole gospel, whether in the privacy of someone's, to not shrink back, excuse me, from declaring the whole gospel, whether in the privacy of someone's home or the public square, to preach repentance and faith in Christ alone, to willingly accept suffering, and to value the calling and the gospel of Jesus Christ above your own life, and to guard the church as a blood-bought possession of Jesus, and to care for her as a most valued possession valuable possession, even willing to rebuke fellow elders who preach or teach doctrine not found in God's word. To carefully weigh the words of the preached word in this assembly. To willingly suffer for Jesus' sake and hardship. To value the word of God over an argument one and to train yourself in godliness. To labor and strive with persistence in the work of your ministry more than any before you and giving God all the glory for all the success to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, to never quit, give up, or swerve from or slack off in your effort to fulfill your ministry even when you're old and tired and suffering, but instead to despise the allure of riches and to live, etern- live for the eternal wealth of Christ's presence in heaven. Do you promise to teach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way such as old men, old women, young men, young women, and children will understand how to adorn themselves with its beauty? And lastly, do you promise to not be ashamed of the gospel or the Savior regardless of the audience, to flee youthful sins and run toward being a man of God who handles the word of truth accurately, to correct ungodliness with gentleness, 
to preach the word of God in season and out of season and to entrust your soul to the faithful creator no matter the blessing, the trial, or the persecution. If then in the sight of God, these witnesses do set their hearts to make their pledge before you, which they have now. Church, I call you as followers, as believers, as people who trust in the presence of God to answer, I do. Now would you, members of Trailside Church, commit to obey them, submit to them, remembering that he is keeping, that they're keeping watch over your souls. Will you let them do this with joy, not with groaning? Will you encourage and identify God's grace in their lives, especially humility, remembering that God will oppose them when proud, but give grace to them when humble? Do you promise to pray for them, that God may open them to the door of the word, to declare the mysteries of Christ to you and to others? And do you commit to praying for them that they will finish their course in ministry that they have received from the Lord Jesus? If you do, please let them know now. Gentlemen, because we believe the Holy Spirit has gifted you to this ministry and made you a gift to this church and to this city, And knowing that we have not acted in haste, but have taken our time and put you through the ringer. (laughs) And many men and women have stood around and watched the way you carry yourselves and love people well. The sacrifice you've given, the hope you've placed into people. We're going to lay hands on you and pray over you and commit that we're with you. As you look to these people who will follow you, who want to be led by you, never forget that this is the opportunity you've been given in your call. So church, if you will, as a sign of laying your hands on them, or I don't care if you want to come up, family, friends, if you want to come up and lay your hands on them, you guys want to scoot up to the front of the stage. We're just going to pray over them. So if you want to come up, feel we're a family, feel free to do so. from your seats, feel free to point your hand toward them as a sign of believing with them as we pray. Jesus, thank you for these men. Thank you that they are committing themselves to your ministry. God, that they are doing so without any promise of financial gain or authority, but that they are doing this simply because they are called because you have put something in them that is rare. And Lord, as we confirm that today with their ordination, Lord, my prayer is that you would hold them and keep them. As a church body, we would believe and follow them, that we would trust not that they are the pastors, but instead that you have given them authority and called them into this place. And that because of that, we can follow them well. God, empower them to be strong men to their families and their future families. Empower them to be leaders among among so many who are fearful and allow them to seek you every day before they even open their eyes knowing that you have called them to something greater. 
And Lord, as we ordain them into the ministry today, allow us to not forget this beautiful day of when you said yes and called them to something much greater than they ever thought they would be doing. Help us to love them well, to pray for them well, to care for them well, and to seek you as we follow them. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Gentlemen, it is um, as you get hugs and walk away. It's my honor. Hold on. Hey, don't leave. Okay. No, you guys can go. It's my honor to present you guys with these certificates of ordination, which read that we, the undersigned, upon the recommendation and request of the pastors and elders at Trailside Church, which is fully insufficient, or which is full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts, and after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience, call, call to the ministry in views of the Bible doctrine, hereby certify that Andrew Michael Smith, that Joshua Taylor Bradford, and William Marcus Jones were solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of Trailside Church on the 26th of January, 2020. Gentlemen, we love you. You new pastors. And now, Trailside, as we celebrate this incredible day, that feels good, doesn't it? Oh. As we celebrate this incredible day, and before we sing one last song and have a delicious potluck, which I hope you'll stay for, we want to do so with the holiest moment in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. It's, it's a meal that we share together. It's a commemoration and a proclamation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's more than just remembering that a God-man hung on a cross. It's a reminder that he will come again. That this earth that we live in that is broken and the people that we walk with that are hurting, that all of that will go away and will fall to the glory of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so we take this supper as a family together. We remember Jesus' words that said when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. That, that as you see this, it's not just a guy, a man handling bread. But that is a literal representation that as Jesus was torn and beaten and his body ripped into shreds and then was hung on a cross, that, that he did that not because it was fun or because he had to, but because he loves you. Because you're his chosen people willing to give himself up for you even to the point of death. Likewise, 
he took the cup after dinner. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink of it, remember me. And it is not simply a cup of juice that we drink to wash down the bread, but it is instead a reminder that as he hung on a cross, that as his blood fell down the wood of what was a supposedly ordinary tree, that that blood spill covered the sacrifice of all the things you have ever held in your heart against yourself, against him, or against someone else, the ways you have participated in your brokenness that have now been covered by the sacrifice of exactly who Jesus says you are and what he did for you because of that. This is a corporate exercise of remembrance for us as a church. But equally as important is the personal exercise that we will ask you to take before you come and take the bread and the wine. To examine yourself, to have an opportunity to repent of your sin, an acknowledgement of the hope that we share as a family in Christ Jesus, and as a rededication of our hearts and lives back to him who is able and greater to do more than you ever thought possible who died, was buried, was resurrected, reappeared to the saints, and then told them he was going to prepare a place for them. As we do this, we remember he likewise is preparing a place for you and for I. And much like Jesus gave this sacrifice to his disciples, we, we at Trailside Church believe this is a participation for the followers of Jesus only. And so if you do not follow Jesus, I'll just kindly ask that you refrain. And it's not a chance to point you out because that won't happen. But it's a reminder that this is for the people who follow, know, and trust him, that this is a means of grace and hope for us, a reminder. That when Jesus instituted this ordinance of the Lord's Supper, he did so during the last Passover meal before he would be betrayed by one of his closest friends and murdered, when he would be given an unfair trial for being exactly who he says he was, for living sinlessly and perfectly, and for doing all these things for your sake so that no matter what you brought to the table today would not define you, but instead you would be defined by his death, that as he was torn flesh from bone, as he carried a cross up the hill, as he was spit on, mocked, and betrayed, as some of his best friends lied and said that they did not know him, that he has done the same for us in the moments where we've also done those things. We have forgotten who he was. We have betrayed him with our hearts. We have treated others people who he also loves, like they were worthless. This is a moment for us to remember the gospel, that this broken world has no hold over him who has defeated this world, and that we celebrate that. 
And if you don't know or follow Jesus, you can come to the table if it is your desire to do so because we would love to tell you about the good news that is the gospel. Church, we have the best news ever and that is that you do not have to believe you have to be better. That you don't have to believe that others are less than you or that you're not important or that you're not cared for or loved, that none of that actually matters because Jesus says you are his royal diadem that you are his bride, that you are worth him dying over, that you are worth the pain of even coming down as God into the form of man and living sinlessly and being mocked and betrayed and beaten and murdered. As he suffocated on the cross with his last breaths, he did so for you. And as we read in the Gospel of Mark, or Luke, excuse me, that he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he reminded us that it was given for you. And when he took the cup after he had eaten it, he reminded us in giving thanks and said, this cup is poured out for you. And so my charge to you this morning as we get ready to wrap up is that you would not take that lightly, but that you would take it celebrating and excited and thankful as a means of grace in your life of what God has done for you, that this would represent all the things that you have, the hope that you have, the life that you have, and the promise you've been given into eternity forever, that this is not the end, that Jesus has a better way, and that that way is redemption of your soul and freedom of your life. So my last statement would be this. Before you take the bread and the cup, that you would personally examine your own heart. That you would echo the prayers of the prophets that say, Examine my heart. I'm a man of unclean lips. Show me what about me needs to be removed from me. Because he is worthy of our praise, our faith, our passion, and our confession. Because he has died for your sins and purchased your redemption through his death knowing that we don't confess our sins in order to be worthy for Jesus. We confess our sins because he is worthy of us. Examination doesn't make us worthy. Jesus does. And so whenever you're ready, our new pastors will be at the front holding the bread and holding the cup. If you're gluten-free, we have a plate. I don't know where it went. It was right there. Do we know where it is? It's in front of me. If you have dietary restrictions, we love you and care for you as well. We'll have gluten-free right over here for you. The cups are on either side of the platform, but if you are a traditional person and you want to share the cup, we'll have that available directly in the middle as well. So church, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask for you to come. But come as a means of grace, not of conviction. Come in the hope of the gospel and the future that you've been given. Not in a attempt to be good enough, but instead to know that you never will be, but that God steps in your place. And he did so when he broke his body and bled in your place for you, Ron. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you have not forgotten us that we've been given the promise of hope, the promise of eternity, the promise that 
no matter what may come against us in this world, that it will not stand before you. Lord, as Hebrews tells us, we have been given a great high priest who lived perfectly, who would not be held back by sin, who died and was resurrected. And because we have that perfect Jesus, that perfect Savior, that sacrificial lamb who was the propitiation for our sin, because we have you, we can approach your throne of grace, knowing that we will get grace and mercy in our time of need. That you ask us to come boldly before you and say, Father, we do that now. And so as we come, Lord, help us examine our hearts. Help us to know you've not given up on us, you've not forgotten us that you walk with us, that you will not be overtaken by our sin or our shame, but instead we have a place to be with you forever, and that this would be a means of grace to remind us that nothing that happens today, tomorrow, or the rest of our time on this earth can ever come against you and what you've done for us, because you have chosen us. You have made us a royal priesthood, a chosen people who will not be forgotten. And so, Father, we celebrate that this morning as we take this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Let it be a means of grace, a conviction of our hearts to be more like you and less like us. It is with that heart that we say, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.